This is the King's Court on Arena Sportsnet, presented by American Grappler. I've got more swagger than Mick Jagger, more sex appeal than Vince Neil. All guests from all walks of life share their time with the King of Connecticut. They are dreaming of just one night, just one night with a man such as myself. Any and everything goes. I am the king of Connecticut. I was raised with class and sophistication. And now, from Norwalk, Connecticut, weighing in at 230 pounds, if George Clooney had muscles, they'd call him the king of Connecticut. The one, the only, Matt Granite. Pernicious purveyor of preposterous compopity, manipulating the minuscule mind of the mass of miscreants. I am your host, the suntan Superman, the King of Connecticut, Matt Granahan, joined once again by the one and only Golden Voice of Chicago. The snowman himself, Ryan Snow. And we got another great episode for you today. Want to cover off a couple of things before we get into it. We're going to be doing a video vlog this week with the fitness bomber herself, the incredibly gorgeous Lindsay Starnes. And... Or we are going to delve into her phenomenal nutrition and weight management program that has inspired and helped a number of folks. And, and she has just got so much positive energy. She's got a huge list of clients that she deals with. She's got her degree in nutrition and sports science and just incorporates all that knowledge in such a fun way. And and I'll, I'll mention that, Brian, I'll bring you in on this. You're going to really enjoy this because I know you've uh, been uh, cutting the pounds, cutting the LBs, changing up your diet, yes, uh, your exercise program. Yes, I have. Yeah, and I, and I think you're going to love, uh, you're going to love Lindsay the Fitness Bomber. She's all so right. Wonderful. All right. Looking forward to having her. And speaking of fitness and nutrition, one of our sponsors on the show, the gorgeous Lana Batagello and Lana's Egg Whites, one of her sponsored fighters, uh, one of my best buds, the New York badass, Phil Baroni. I just booked Phil in uh, Stockton, California, November the 4th, right outside of Lana Botticello's town out nice. there in California. And I, yeah, just let her know he's going to be wrestling Vinny Massaro from Lucha 
Underground. Aha. Nice. Uh, and Lucha Underground, man. What a cool promotion that is, Lucha Underground. Yeah, it is. It's a very cool promotion. I love it. Yeah, their television their television show, man, I mean, quality wise, it's shot like a movie. It's so different. Their production value is right up there with WWE and of course they have a massive Latino and Latina following. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Vinny Massaro is uh, straight from Sicily, so it's going to be a battle of the Paisans when he faces the New York badass Phil Baroni on November the 4th, and it's part of a series they're doing on MMA versus pro wrestling, and I, right. had the, uh, I had the pleasure of being a guest on Matt Freeman's show. They uh, read Inside BJJ and the Inside BJJ show with Travis Luter and Stefan Bonner a couple of weeks ago and he runs this promotion and it was it was phenomenal I'll tell you it was uh it was great to be a guest on that show and uh, that's how I ended up getting filled this booking because Matt Freeman he's a BJJ black belt pro fighter but also pro wrestler and he's fairly new to the pro wrestling game and speaking of that angle, we've got uh, the American psycho, Stefan Bonner. I've got him. He's, he's actually going to be main eventing the uh, upcoming pay-per-view with Impact Wrestling November the 5th against uh, Bobby Lashley and King Mo. Oh, that's great. Uh, who's, uh, yeah, <clears throat> great, uh, obviously recurring guest on our show, our buddy King Mo. Yeah. And, uh, and our buddy Stefan Bonner. So two... Uh, two of our buds will be will be battling it out, and Stefan's going to be teaming up with Moose, uh, former Atlanta Hawk, the big guy, uh, Moose, and uh, they've been up to some mischief over there at Impact Wrestling, Uh-oh. going over there, uh, tearing it up, an American top team, um, just going out there with lead pipes, breaking stuff, and, and getting and getting just Foner's brought in there to get some revenge for Moose, you know, with Glacey Tebow and King Mo and. Uh, um, and of course, Bobby Lashley from the American Top Team. They they formed their own Love faction it. in Impact Wrestling. Of course, you know, MMA superstars coming in like an NWO to. Uh, to I love Wrestling. it. I yeah, love it. So, so a lot of cool stuff going on, man. A lot of cool stuff going on, and you know, I'll tell you right now, Brian. So the greatest compliment I ever received was from our good buddy. UFC Hall of Famer Dan the Beast Severn, and it was on your morning show a couple of years ago where Dan called me the illegitimate son of Bobby the Brain Heenan. It most certainly was. It most certainly was. And uh, Yeah, and I shared that clip as a tribute to Bobby Heenan. Of course, we lost Bobby Heenan uh, the other day. He, He passed away. He'd been sick for some time. And we want to pay tribute to Bobby. We do. There have been so many great tributes that have been done. WWE did a great one the other night. But a lot of people don't know, because it goes back so long to AWA, is what an amazing pro wrestler Bobby Heenan was before he was ever a manager. Just amazing. You know, his tag team, with uh, Ray the Crippler Stevens, I mean, my old mentor, 
uh, Billy Wicks said that was the best tag team ever. And you go back and you watch their matches, and, man, Bobby was just a phenomenal heel. Oh, man, just a natural heel. He was phenomenal. And he took some hellacious bumps. He knew how to sell. Mm-hmm. His bumps, oh, they always meant something. And um, he was just phenomenal. And, and, and I'll let you talk about Bobby, but I just want to say a couple other things. I mean, people remember Bobby from Primetime Wrestling. It was on USA Network. Yes. And that was a precursor to Monday Night Raw. And, man, I'll tell you, it was always in the same time slot. Mm-hmm. Monday Night Raw right now is the longest-running episodic uh, television show on cable TV and cable TV history. Mm-hmm. And before Monday Night Raw, the show was shot in the studio yep. with Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon. Mm-hmm. And those two were just magic. They were amazing together. Uh, God, some of the vignettes that they shot outside of the classic. studio were just, just Absolute awesome, classic. man. Also, I remember the one where Bobby was banned from the building. And yeah. He was trying to get in, dressing up as a woman. He dressed up as a as a rabbi. <laughs> and, and couldn't get yeah. in to save his life. Yeah, yeah, it was hilarious. I mean, he was, and, and Bobby was not afraid to poke fun at himself, always the weasel, the weasel, always mm-hmm. the butt of the joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he was so phenomenal, in fact, that uh, Vince gave him his own uh, late-night talk show. Yeah, he did. Yeah, for a while. Um, and they had some characters on that show. And, oh, my God. And I urge people, uh, anybody who missed that, man, go to WWE Network and watch some of those old primetimes, the Bobby Heenan show, just it's hilarious. It was hilarious. And Brian, uh, I want you to have the floor and just say some of your memories, because you and I, right around the same age, we grew up watching Bobby Heenan in his prime. Well, when I did uh, when I did my show, I paid tribute to him by playing a clip where he paid homage to one Gorilla Monsoon. They were the best. Oh, that's of, awesome. They were the best of friends. And... They never, for primetime wrestling, and I found this out, they never used a script. They just came up with an idea and went with it. It's like us. It's like us here on the King's Court. (laughs) Right. Exactly. It's exactly (laughs) like us. You know, and like you said, he sold his character wonderfully, okay? Because I can tell you as a wrestling fan, especially when I first started getting into WWF in uh, early 80s. I hated the weasel. But during that same time, I started looking up the man, you know. And it's like, this man is smart. Oh, he was amazing. He he, he knew how to get the heat. He was phenomenal. He absolutely knew. He absolutely knew. Because... There's there's no way you can get that kind of heat without really knowing how to sell your character. You know, and I bet, I'm willing to bet you, there have been so many times where Gorilla Monsoon and Bami Heenan will work matches and Gorilla Monsoon would have the hardest time not laughing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Oh, they, they played off of each other so so well and man let me tell you you mentioned gorilla monsoon i want to give him a little tribute too because i'll most people probably don't know this 
Um, but Gorilla Monsoon, his real name was Gino Morella. Yep. And uh, he was a national champion uh, in D1 in NCAA wrestling from Ithaca. Yeah. And that was back in the day when mm-hmm. they did not have the weight cap right. for heavyweights. Mm-hmm. So you could be as big as you wanted to be. Yeah. He was a oh, monster. Yeah. He was a monster heavyweight from Ithaca. Uh, and, you know, a great shooter. But something else that a lot of people may not realize about uh, Gorilla Monsoon, Gino Morella, was his son was Joey Morella. Joey Morella. Who was a big ref, big-time referee. Mm-hmm. He refereed a lot of the main events. Mm-hmm. And he died very young, passed yeah. away very young. Yeah, he did. But I loved watching Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan work together. And now oh, me with too. me knowing what I know, about those two as individual men, I know it took Gorilla Monsoon and later on Jim Ross. Because remember, they Jim Ross and Bobby the Brain worked um, WrestleMania Nine in yep, uh, Caesar's Palace, well. Caesar's well, Palace heck, in Las Vegas. That's right, Caesar's. And, and, and heck, you know, Bobby Heenan, he worked some uh, shows with Vince McMahon too. He had some great oh, chemistry yeah. with McMahon. And every one now, of his I'll partners. I'll tell you what, I don't know which WrestleMania it was, but it just popped in my head. He worked one WrestleMania with Vince McMahon where they had Regis Philbin as the third man in the booth. I think that was WrestleMania 7 at the uh, sports yeah. arena in Los Angeles because it was, they played off a desert storm. And That's the right. main event was Hulk Hogan and Sergeant Slaughter. And you know Sergeant when Sergeant Slaughter and you know Slaughter when those two got coat. Yep, and when Hulk Hogan and Sergeant Slaughter got together and put that match together, it was absolutely phenomenal. So that was Bob, some controversy in that. And and the controversy in that I don't know if it was on WrestleMania night or leading up to it, but there there was a fireball that um they used to throw little fireballs in wrestling. Ronnie Garvin used to throw them. Oh, yeah. And there was a fireball thrown and by Slaughter, mm-hmm. and it burned an American flag. Mm. And they got a lot of hate mail and controversy surrounding that. And the guy who gave that idea and that concept to WWE at the time was Jesse Ventura. Jesse Ventura. Yeah. Yeah, controversial guy. So, so it's more, we have more trivia there. <laughs> it's, and it's more brilliance. It's absolutely, yeah. it's absolutely more brilliance. How many times did we hear Vince McMahon and Bobby the Brain work at Saturday night's main events? Oh, man, I used to love those. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I just got off the phone with Matt Freeman, uh, the, the promoter uh, from Inside BJJ. He's yeah. promoting. Yeah. So, and I told him this, and, and then I'm going to show this with, with the the, uh, the crowd, because I told him, I, he was talking about Phil's match in, uh, with, with Vinny Massaro, and I said, look, man, the main event is not always the last match on the card, and I gave him an example, a couple of examples. I told him about a show I main evented against Chuck Sloan mm-hmm. years ago in Spartanburg, where they mm-hmm. had a packed house. We were, of course, main events. We were last match of the night. By the time we got out there, only a third of the crowd was left. Right. And I gave him the example of when I wrestled um, Cauliflower Chase Brown back at my old high school. Yeah. For the uh, fundraiser for the wrestling team. They made us main event, with, you know, which was, which was awesome, you know, but Dan Severn had a long match before us, and it was a long card. And I had people texting me because I had so many friends and family there 
And I had people texting me in the locker room, when the hell is your match? This is, you know, this is crazy. This show's too long. What I loved about Saturday night's main event, it was during the heyday uh, of Hulkamania, yes. was the Hulkster's match was always boom in the beginning of the show. Yeah, that's that was booked perfectly. Every time the Hulk yeah. had a title defense, it was at the beginning of the show because some of the matches, I remember him defending against... Um, uh, Randy Savage's brother, uh, Leapin' Lanny Poffo, the genius. Leapin' Lanny. And Leapin' Lanny really played up the gay gimmick. Oh, he really, he really did. Um, some of his <laughs> other, some of his earlier matches, uh, Nikolai Volkov, that came early. Oh, yeah. Nikolai Volkov. And Nikolai had, I read so much about Nikolai Volkov. Nikolai had so much fun playing that character. And, and, and he was in really room. from the, the greater Soviet Union area. Right. I'm not sure... Where, where exactly which part of the former Soviet Union, but it wasn't like Nikita Koloff where Nikita kept put that accent on. That was how he he was. Yeah. he was a power, He was an Olympic powerlifter. Yeah, Nikolai Volkov. Yeah, Ni- Nikolai loved doing matches with Hulk Hogan. Absolutely loved it. Okay, and some other matches, some other title defenses came against uh, King Kong Bundy. Um, who else? The Honky Tonk Man. Ooh. Uh, Sika in the in the um, oh, yeah. mid to late eighties from, from the Wild Samoans. Exactly. Yeah, it was, it was that might have been when uh, when Phil's great uncle Captain Lou Albano was managing. Oh yeah, Samoans. yeah. <laughs> so you know, you mentioned Bundy, and I'll tell you, man, you mentioned Bundy, and you go back and you watch that. That was the setup for uh, WrestleMania two, where the cage match, um, the cage yeah, match. The cage match. And remember, he, he did those splashes. And, and you look at how how well they worked that. It was simple. It oh, was my just God, the avalanche. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was just God. the avalanche. And this is the thing with pro wrestling now is with these kids doing a, a million different things and they don't mean anything. Right. Just those few avalanches and body splashes. And the Hulkster, his whole ribs were completely destroyed. Yeah. And they were gone. he sold it so well and kept them out until Mania. Now these guys are crashing through tables. They're doing all these death moves and and just and they got right no reason and ridiculous. they got no reason to do it. They have no reason yeah, to do it exactly. to try to sell anything. They exactly. have no you, reason to do it to sell something that's already been sold. I'll tell you a couple things, and I, and we think we touched upon it in the Manny Fernandez episode. But I always when I when I do a pro wrestling match, I always go for the go for the finish. You watch, if you watch Stefan Viner's match, and I helped put that together against uh, uh, Tanaka from New Japan, yeah, he was constantly going for the finish. Mm-hmm. He's constantly going for the trying to end it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm always constantly going for the pinfall. I'm not doing stupid stuff. Right. You know, I'm going constantly going for submissions, pinfall, trying to finish it because that's the objective. That's that's and, the whole line. That's the point. That's exactly yeah, the are, point. It, it, it takes it away from being a sporting event when these guys are doing all these. Uh, theatrics for no reason. I mean, I love to do these theatrics to get the crowd angry too, mm-hmm. and they've lost that. I mean, I, if you look, I love to rile the crowd up and get them to hate me before I ever even touch my opponent. Right. You know, and, and you can do that through insulting the crowd, getting on the mic, and the a match that, that I loved, a WrestleMania match that I absolutely loved because I read about it in uh, the Rock's book was WrestleMania 15 with the Rock and uh, Stone Cold, their main event match. And they yeah. knew how much time they had to fill. But what I loved about it, and The Rock disclosed this detail, they worked from the end backwards. 
Yeah, that's awesome. They work from the ending backwards, you know, and they would just shout out ideas and they'd work it in, they'd work it into the match. And that's what's missing nowadays. That kind yeah, of exactly. free cre- that kind of free creativity, especially when you know your opponent. That's right, and you can get in if you can. You don't even necessarily have to know your opponent beforehand, and mm-hmm. you've got the direction that you want to go. Oh yeah, and you keep it focused on entertaining the crowd and right. having it be as much of a sporting event as possible. You're trying to finish off your opponent. You know, you you're not trying to kill yourself. Some of these movies exactly. these guys are doing it's like they're trying to commit suicide. Yeah, you know, it's ridiculous, and it's now, not even necessary. Totally unnecessary. And, and you know, there was a great quote that the late, great Billy Wicks told me years ago, and I just uh, I just posted this on Cauliflower Chase Brown's uh, page, something he said that was similar and got a lot of people took notice and liked it. And it was a great quote from, from Pops, from Billy Wicks, and he told me, he said, you need to tell those fans that there is nothing that you were doing in that ring to your opponent that you couldn't do to each and every one of them. Absolutely. If they were to get off their ass and step in the ring. Yeah, but absolutely. like I said to like I said to Cauliflower, I think with the, with the kids now and he's become a combination of one, the ridiculous moves that they're doing mm-hmm. and uh two, they, they don't have the same shooting ability as they used to. They there is you could reverse that quote for most of the kids now and you could say there is nothing that I'm doing to my opponent in the ring that I could ever do to any of you if you stepped in the ring. And oh, it yeah. shouldn't be like that. Oh, yeah. You know, it should be the other way around. You know, so, yeah, so this has been a great a great discussion. We want to keep it to the brain. Keep it to Bobby the Brain Heenan because this is a tribute episode. This is a tribute um, to him, absolutely. And with the comment and, that Dan the Beast gave you way back in episode one, we figured... Yeah. We're going to play that episode for you. Now, I had to sneak in and do a little editing because of some sound issues. And you'll know when those come up because you'll hear a commercial in between. But with that compliment that Dan the Beast gave the king, the king gave me this idea and said, we should play that episode and make it as our yep. tribute to the yep. brain. So after and, this, And also, it's, it's an hour of comedy. It's oh. all comedy. And I'm and sitting in the st- I'm sitting in my old studio just cracking up laughing at you guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I'll tell you, it, it's the tribute to Bobby Heenan because he was the greatest comedian ever in professional wrestling, and one of the best minds. He was named that for a reason. On the air, he knew Bobby the Brain knew that he was a goof on the air. Oh, but off, of course. But but off but off the air. He was absolutely a wrestling mind. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Brian, you think that when I do my sticks for the Sheik and King of Connecticut, I mean, I, I, I realize that there's a lot of uh, buffoonery and goofiness to right. that as well. Right. <laughs> and you've got to, you've got to be able to you laugh at yourself. You have to. You have to. And you can't be, and something Gorilla Monsoon said to Bobby the Brain during a conversation, you can't be afraid of what's going to happen to you or your character. Because... And what did Bobby say? I, I, I played it on the show. If you're in this business for more than money, then you're a fool. So Bobby That's had right. no fear whatsoever 
Let's get to this episode after a break. He's too handsome. He's too handsome for Hollywood. He's too sexy. He's too sexy for his own good. This is the King of Connecticut, Matt Granahan, host of The King's Court, telling you to go to the Amazon Kindle store and pick up a copy of my new book, Too Handsome for Hollywood, The World According to the Suntan Superman, with the foreword by the UFC Hall of Famer, Dan the Beast Severn. He's too handsome. He's too handsome for Hollywood. He's too sexy. He's too sexy for his own good. Yeah, yeah. $9.99. Pick it up today. Too handsome for Hollywood. The Amazon Kindle store. You'll be glad you did. This is the King's Court on Arena Sportsnet, presented by American Grappler. I got more swagger than Mick Jagger, more sex appeal than Vince Neil. All guests from all walks of life share their time with the King of Connecticut. They are dreaming of just one night, just one night with your man such as myself. Any and everything goes. I am the king of Connecticut. I was raised with class and sophistication. And now, from Norwalk, Connecticut, weighing in at 230 pounds, if George Clooney had muscles, they call him the king of Connecticut. The one, the only, Max Granite. It is the pernicious purveyor of preposterous pomposity, manipulating the minuscule minds of the masses of miscreants. I am your host. Welcome to King's Court. Tis I, the King of Connecticut, Matt Granahan, sitting here at the King's Castle down here in South Kakalaki, and I am sitting across from a man that deserves a major introduction. This man is absolutely a legend in many, many worlds. Nobody can say that they are the legend in professional wrestling, former NWA World Heavyweight Champion, in collegiate and international wrestling, All-American from Arizona State University, folk-style national champion, Greco-Roman national champion, multiple-time AAU champion, world team member, and UFC Hall of Famer, UFC Super Fight champion, the incomparable, the one, the only, the master thespian, Dan the Beast. Severn, how you doing tonight? 
Wow, I'm actually looking around. Is he here? <laughs> I did all that stuff? Gosh. Wow. Uh, simply to answer your question first time, how am I doing? Well, four out of the five of the voices in my mind are saying, I'm okay here tonight. It's just that one. You know, it keeps going. That's the one that keeps bothering me, you know. Well, I'll tell you, Dan, you have been up and down the road. You're here in South Kakalaka. You're sitting here at the King's Castle. Uh, we are overlooking the beautiful pond, and there is a there is a cougar that's trying to get her claws into you already here in the neighborhood. She keeps calling me. She keeps blowing up my phone. She keeps saying, where is the beast? Where is the beast? She saw you jogging last time you were staying here at the castle, and she's been talking about you ever since. And she goes by the name Mrs. E because she's beyond D. She's beyond double D. She's Miss E. My, my, my. That's a, that's a, that's a tall letters with M's. <laughs> my, my, my. Miss E is extraordinary. She uh, is indeed. She is indeed. And, you know, and I keep telling Miss E, and, and I keep telling a lot of the women around here this. You know, I was over at the, at the Super Walmart earlier. I had another one of these old cougars come up to me, just like Miss E. And they said to me, they said, George, I've never seen you look better. They said, George, man, you must be working out, George. You must be eating tons of protein. My goodness, George. And, you know, I'm sick and tired of this comparison with myself and the silver fox George Clooney because that man, he is a hypocrite. And when I say he's a hypocrite, I'm talking about the whole deal with uh, him being so outraged at the special interest groups. But then he supports Hillary Clinton, who's, who's heavily financed by the special interest groups. So for the last time, my cackalacky cougars, I am not George Clooney. <laughs> That's fantastic, Rita. Well, the sheer fact I know the king... The king has a certain, well, it's kind of like the beast here. You know, there's, there's, there's this animal magnetism that the ladies have for the beast, much like the royalty and the power that the king wields as well. That's a bit of a tongue twister right there. Say that a little bit slowly. And, uh, you know, what can I say there, king? It's, just, uh, it's the burden that we must bear. That's right. You know, there, uh, years ago, uh, I was uh, I was uh, at the mall with uh, Dan Severn. Uh, it was it was right before uh, one of uh, his his renowned wrestling clinics that we were we had going on here in Kakalaki, and uh, he had a similar situation where uh, young ladies came up came up to him and they said, you know, we see you on that show. Magnum P.I., but you look so much more muscular and manly in person. Well, I know it's kind of like you and George Clooney. It's, uh, I, I would say that I'm just, uh, I'm just his younger brother. That's all. I'm just his younger brother. You know. His younger 
Dudleyer, brother. You know, you can't have uh, Dan the Beast Severn on the King's Court and not talk about a Gracie. And, of course, I'm talking about Anna Gracie. Because Anna Anna Gracie, I I, I don't know if I, I mean, there's an awful lot of these Gracies right there, but but Anna Gracie, I've never heard that name. Is she a a jujitsuist expert as well? Well, all I'm going to say is she loves putting the king in her guard. And the king doesn't mind allowing her to put him in her guard because Anna Gracie is one foxy, foxy lady. She fell for the king like a blind roofer. She was running a dojo up there in Charlotte, North Kakalaki. The king came sauntering in, rocking and rolling, strutting and strolling. And she was so lovey-dovey. But the king of Connecticut, you would not believe. But something happened, Dan, and I can't quite figure it out. Well, King, let me just ask you a few things right there. I mean... In this last grappling encounter, were you trying to break guard? Were you trying to pass guard? Uh, what? To, let's speak about this as a technical effort here right now. That um, that might have something to do with it. Not knowing, but well, there's a maneuver that's it's uh, it's called the, the can opener, as you know, the escape guard. But I I applied that maneuver on her uh, lovely round Brazilian booty. Instead of uh, where the can over normally is applied, and I just enjoyed the ride. Enjoyed the ride, and and, and I would say that the guard for Miss Anna Gracie, it, I I I find it disgusting to have a, a sweaty man wrap his legs around me or attempt to do that. And and, and you know when I first found out about this jujitsu stuff coming from wrestling, I you know I said to myself, this is, what the heck's going on here, man? Is this guy trying to marry me? What's going on rolling around in our pajamas? But I can tell you it's an enjoyable experience when Miss Anna Gracie laps those regs around you. Well, it's, it's, are they strong legs? Oh, she's very powerful. Oh, well, that's, well, well, that's good to know this. You know, but, uh, you know, it's, it runs in that, that, that Gracie lineage. They, they like to fight off of their back. They do, and, and Miss Anna Gracie loves to be on her back, especially when she's around the king. Well, obviously, she would not make a very good professional wrestler. Then she would be down for the three count. She'd be down for the one, the two, and the three. And I might hold her down for the old King Kong Bundy five count, Daddy. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Man, I'll tell you, you know, I want to, because Anna Gracie has, has recently uh, disappeared on the she, she For some reason, she's just going MIA. I want uh, our show producer, the incomparable Brian Snow, at the end of this episode, to play Van Halen. Why can't this be loved and dedicated to the beautiful, vivacious, pervacious Anna Gracie, Daddy? I am touched by this gracious actor. It's, just, uh, it's something else. I just once, once again, that generosity just exudes, you just ooze with it all. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Now, I want to move on to another topic, another subject, because, Dan, not everybody knows that you are a master, master thespian. And uh, you starred in a movie called Swamp Zombies. 
And then one of your co-stars in that movie is a young woman who is known for giving many men carpal tunnel, and I'm talking about the vivacious uh, Jasmine St. Clair. Can you talk about that shower scene you had in uh, Swamp Zombies? Well, you know, Matt, I'm sorry, King, uh, it's... uh, some things I just don't want to really want to discuss because it was young in my life. I needed the money, you know, being that, that, that poor college student, stuff like that. Uh, just, it's, I try to say that all the time to young people, that uh, to be careful in today's world, what takes you such a long time to build a reputation but mere seconds to destroy. I just, you know, I, I know it was, it was up for an Academy Award, but I think it all just ended up just being an Oscar. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, everybody, you got to check out Swamp Zombies. You also starred in a movie called Rudy. And I want I you to talk about that because that is a movie, and this is the Arena Sports Network, and that is a sports movie and a classic based on a true story. Well, that was fantastic right there. For almost uh, three months, living uh, right down in South Bend, Indiana, right there at Notre Dame University. That's uh, the original Rudy, and I I hope I pronounced his last name correctly, Rudiger, Rudiger. He was there on set the entire time that uh, the movie was being played out. You had uh, Sean Aston as uh, the character playing Rudy. And uh, the, the sad part was we did go through about, I think, two or three Rudy stunt doubles where they were getting into the actual the live hitting and stuff like that. They wanted all the football players really getting after it. And uh, let's just say that a couple of their standards had to be carried back off the field and never to return. But it was fun. I, I played the role of a football extra, and here I am. I think at that time I was 35 years of age and being cast as an 18-year-old walk-on to the football team. So just a great scene in there where one of the coaches is saying that, that uh, we're just basically going to be cannon fodder for the rest of the, the football program and probably will never don the gold helmets and things of that nature. And, uh, you know, if we want to do uh, – go home or call mom at that point in time. We, we had the, the right to do so, but uh, it, does, it does go then into a kind of a cool little scene of showing uh, a number of other professional wrestlers and myself going through all these little agility drills. And uh, another famous wrestler by the name of Al Snow was in that same movie. Awesome. And, you know, the, I say this to people, and uh, this is kind of how I sell myself uh, sell myself. This is kind of how I sell myself to executive producers like Sal Francio. So I got my, my little role in, in the Fight Valley series. King never has to really sell himself. He just has to show presence that they should be wanting to do business. Exactly. exactly, exactly. But sometimes you got to smarten them up. And one of the lines that I, that I drop on these executive producers is, listen, when you are a professional wrestler. You do everything in one take. You only get one take. There is no cut. That is also true. And, and that, when I first got involved in that industry, I was, uh, I was actually kind of blown away as to 
how a lot of these professional wrestlers had to impromptu improvise because things are going to go wrong in these matches. Whether someone gets actually hurt, whether we have equipment failure, where ring ropes, the top ring rope has broken, and you might be a flyer, and all of a sudden all of these spots that you thought you were going to perform are that thrown out the door. Now you have to improvise and other so it's uh, it's really something that to watch all this together for the public side. They're not really aware, but the rest of the stuff, they have uh, I guess secret ways of kind of letting letting uh, the referee know and uh, letting each other know that hey, I'm hurt or he's not going quite right, and they have to they have to change. I have been far worse than my professional wrestling career than I have been in my entire cage fighting career. And people mm. like, oh, that, that's impossible. But the explanation to that is in a real aspect contest, all you got to do is walk out there and get results. You're not filling a window of time. You're not, you don't care if it looks good for the people, stuff like that. But in professional wrestling, you are, an, you are an entertainer. As the rock was the number one sports entertainment product in the world, right. is professional wrestling. And I always take my hat off the wrestlers. I simply say that professional wrestlers are some of the most incredible athletes doing some of the most incredible athletic maneuvers without the aid of a safety net. So you should be knowing that when you step out to that ring, you might be filling a in 15, 20 or more minute window of time. So when you are out there for that long, it's a game of give or take. You are telling the story, a physical uh, story that you're telling through your facial expressions, body language, and what's happening through the this thing. And usually, you're going to be body, you're going to return the favor with the clothes, with the clothes like all of that physical, one of the most fundamental professions go through is we bump it. And to the layman, bump it means learning how to fall down and protect yourself. Most professional wrestlers don't realize what they are learning is one of the most basic, fundamental movies fundamentals of martial arts wrestling so that when you hit the ground you wanna you wanna hit with as much body mass as possible so you can disperse that impact. Otherwise you blow on your shoulder, blow on a knee or blow on an elbow and that is what happens to a lot of these wrestlers. Yep. And and that's a great point and something that I, I think with the world of professional wrestling and like yourself, coming from an uh, amateur wrestling background, you go into pro wrestling, you can work a style that's a lot safer. Uh, I've always, when I've done pro wrestling, worked a really safe style. And I'll give you a couple examples. You know, when I got into the world of pro wrestling, and uh, it was interesting because I I grew up, really enjoyed uh, the theatrical elements of pro wrestling. And uh, it, was, it was right after college, 
uh, I was going to this judo club called Basaki Judo in Danbury, Connecticut, and I had my buddy Dave. Uh, he was a wrestler from New Fairfield High School, and he was also fresh out of college. And you know, we were still rambunctious, and we we were in there in the dojo. And he told me one day, he said, he said, I'm going to pro wrestling school, and I'm gonna be a pro wrestler. And I said, that's gonna be such a thing as pro wrestling school. So. Uh, we started talking about it, and, and uh, he basically took me around as his opponent uh, because he was a little bit, uh, or we should say partner in a sense, because you're really more of a partner. And that it was kind of the way that I was kind of directed. Whenever I did pro wrestling throughout the years, I mean, and that, that goes back 20 years ago, I always uh, wanted to bring guys in that I felt safe with like locally here, Steve Valpone, a two-time state champion, high school. He's smaller than me. He moves really well. Uh, he wrestled at Anderson College. He's, he's, a, he's a good athlete, and we can have a safe match. And a lot of times you'll show up in a building, and this has happened to me quite a few times. This happened to me recently. And you're working an indie show, and, and you get this opponent, and uh, he wants to do these crazy outlandish moves, and you're you're putting your body at harm's risk. And, and, I, and a lot of times, you know, I don't know who this guy is. I don't know how long he's even been doing the wrestling, um, and he might kill me. He could break my neck. He could paralyze me. Oh, I totally agree with you, there, King. It's uh, you get into that locker room, and you might go over the match a little bit, and all of a sudden they want to climb up on the top rope and do this triple, quadruple flip twist, and you're the recipient of all of this, and you're thinking, I don't know. He doesn't look like he's strong enough to lift me up in the first place. You know, yeah. now. And yet, he, you're going to be the recipient of it. And that's where I've had to even teach my own guys that you're going to get in this locker room, and, and everyone wants to become the star because it is that world of fantasy. But some of these wrestlers, they live that world of fantasy for so long, they soon forget where does fantasy end and reality begin? And there's some people, we'll leave a few names, obviously, now that they, they want to have the people, even in their own home, refer to them by their ring name. And I'm like thinking, that's living, you're living the gimmick here now at that point in time. I think, Dan, I think Dan's talking about me in the King's Castle. No, 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 the King, 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 no, you know what? I've seen I've seen the king in action here right now, so I I know what is fantasy and what is reality. It's, <laughs> it's those ladies that you cast a spell upon here right now. That's that's the real the real magic of the king. Indeed, you know I cast that. I, I've got I've got my fishing pond here across the street here, uh, and you know it's it's like I go down there with a rod and reel and a few casts, and I and I've got a bass. It's like. You know, I talked about with, with Anna Gracie. I walk in there and our eyes meet, and, it, and it's like George, George, or she calls me Sorche, Jorge, or whatever they say in Portuguese. And I say, baby, I hate George Clooney for the last time. I am not George Clooney, baby. Well, it's it's a burden you have to bear. You know, Absolutely. And, and, and uh, thing, you, you've done a great job by, by bearing with that. You know, let's, uh, let's, Let's talk politics for a moment here. Should okay, we, absolutely, sure. I, I know that, uh, you know, as we as I motor down the road, you you, you talk, uh, you call me at different times, and we, we we speak about all types of subjects here. And 
I think as of late, it's been a lot more on the political scene because, you know, we've, we've got all these candidates that are vying for that that number one uh, position uh, to represent their party. And, uh, you know, the beast has no future in politics only because i rather just hurt your feelings right from the get-go as opposed to lie to you. Now, I've been watching these political uh, debates, uh, slandering of each other. At the same time, they call it slandering. I'm not sure if it actually is slandering. When's the last time, King, I have to ask you this question, when's the last time you've ever met an honest politician? I'd say I don't think I ever have, and right here in South Kakalaki, and, 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 and of course it was a big news story. Our very own Governor Nikki Haley uh, bowed down and surrendered to the King of Connecticut, and she surrendered the flag from the State House today. I think you might have seen that match. That happened right at American pro wrestling in Spartanburg, South Kakalaki. I came out there. I came out there. The king came out there with the flag that she had come here to the king's castle and gotten on her knees and surrendered to me. My goodness. I, that's another one of these historical moments in uh, history. I'm surprised that uh, you haven't been asked to uh, come on the uh, a network there and, and, and bring up all these different uh, historical-type moments here just to keep the young people informed because they hate to say, but too much playing of Xbox, too oh, much yeah. uh, Facebook time. They, uh, I, I don't really know if they're learning anything in schools anymore. And the king's tried to, he's tried to mentor the youth. You know, I told you about lovely, and I'm going to show you a couple of pictures, too, my lovely little Ashley from the gym. She's a, she's a sophomore at uh, USC, and uh, she's a lovely, lovely young lady. I've been trying to mentor her, and I've been trying to tell her, you know, you're getting your exercise, but we can take that to another level. We can, we can, help, we can, we can help you with a little more calisthenics, a little more flexibility here at King's Castle. Hmm. Once again, the generosity that the, that the, that oozes from the king absolutely oozes from my pores. And as and as we're talking here, my phone is blowing up. Miss E keeps texting me, "Where is the beast? Where is the beast?" She's right across the pond here, and uh, it seems like it's it it may be mating the, season here at Ridge Creek, South Carolina. The wind must be kind of drifting right across her. She has caught the scent. I think I, so. You know, it's because I barely pulled up into your driveway, and you were saying your phone is blowing up. I'm thinking, yes. wow. I mean, I, I know that uh, the, the beast has a certain animal magnetism. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's a curse. It actually is a curse, you know. I think that scent that you exude has crossed the pond, and it's and it, it, it is hovering around her back deck. I think she's sitting out there on the back deck. Now we were talking about uh, pro wrestling, and there's a pro wrestler that that uh, is very relevant this time of year with Cinco de Mayo coming up. 
Dan, are you familiar with this guy they call Mick Luchador? Mick Luchador. I, I mean, it's Mick Luchador. See, as soon as you say Mick, I, I, I think of McDonald's. McDonald's, yes, yes. Uh, well, i tell you, a lot of people have said that uh, Mick Luchador resembles the king. We've, we've never been seen in the same place at the same time. But I'm going to dispel that rumor right now because I know the real story of McLuchador. Well, please let us know. Now, McLuchador hails from Ireland. He had a successful job at the pickle factory. Wait a second here. Now, it makes sense with the the, the name here right now and being from Ireland and that, but... Uh, what does pickles have to do with an Irish name, Mass Luchador, coming up on Cinco de Mayo? It's you, you, you confused to be, sir. Well, please, I, please tell me, elaborate here. Well, I will elaborate because Nick Luchador had this successful job at the pickle factory. And one day he came home from a long day at the pickle factory and and he said to his wife, Margaret, he said, Margaret, I have horrible news, horrible, horrible news. King, I, 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 need, I need a little bit more clarification on this job. Did you actually know what he was doing as a job at the pickle factory? I mean, we'll get back to this horrible news, but what was his occupation at a pickle factory. I'm just, you know, I'm curious as a layman here right now. Well, McLuchador, he started out sweeping the floors. Okay, so he started low on the total pole and he worked his way up to the brakes? Hold on. By the time he, this unfortunate incident took place, McLuchador was already plant supervisor. He was plant supervisor, and that's what makes this all the more damning because Margaret and Seamus, Seamus is uh, McLuchador's first name, they had gone from the depths of poverty and they finally had a nice home. That's the American dream right there, to come coming to America Absolutely. And with something, and then all of a sudden, from sweeping the floors to now he's uh, what was it? He was a plant supervisor plant of the supervisor. Yeah, yeah. Now, what tragic tragedy took place? Well, he said, he said, Margaret, I have heard of news. Something awful happened at work today. He said, I got me really stuck in the pickle slicer. Wait, 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 wait. He, he got what stuck into a pickle slicer? I got me really, me really stuck in the pickle slicer. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that is a real... Pickle. <laughs> it is. Well, he, he, so, so, it's so ironic here that he was working in a pickle company, and he got his willy. He got his pickle in a pickle. <laughs> in a pickle slicer. He got his pickle in a pickle. And so so then Margaret, she said, oh, no. Oh, no, Seamus. Seamus, whatever will we do? Whatever will we do? And then she paused, and she said, well, Seamus, what happened to the pickle slicer? And Seamus said, 
They fired her too. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's horrible. That's super horrible. That and injustice like that. It just you know. So what happened was, old Seamus, he lost his job at the pickle factory, at the pickle plant, and he lost the love of Margaret. And he decided he had to make a drastic move. So he went south of the border, down Mexico Way, and he donned his green and white mask. And he became known as McLuchador. And this Cinco de Mayo, right here in South Kakalaki, right here in South Kakalaki, McLuchador will be doing a Cave Creek chili beer promotion. McLuchador himself will be doing a Cave Creek chili beer promotion at Chickadee's Diner in Irmo, South Kakalaki. Can you believe that? Now, Cave Creek, in case you don't know, is a beer made by Tecate south of the border with a chili pepper in every bottle. It is known. Wow, that is incredible. It's kind of like tequila used to have a worm into it, and now we actually have a beer that has a chili pepper. Wow. It is truly the hottest beer in Mexico, the hottest beer in Mexico. And not only that, not only that, it is said that drinking a Cave Creek is like having a burrito and a beer, except you don't need the burrito because the burrito's in the beer. That is phenomenal. Well, the beasters can't really handle the spicy food, so I don't know if that will ever be a, a beverage I will be partaking of. There seems to be a theme in the king's life here right now of of certain dilemmas and that 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 have come up or problems. Um, it wasn't really all that long ago you were you were talking to me about you were you were traveling cross country at one point in time, but but you were travel you wanted to really see the USA from the layman's aspect, but you wanted to travel by backpack. Yes. And so you did a lot of trail hiking, and I know you did a little bit of uh, hitchhiking along the way. Oh, but, yes, but I did. Was, uh, one of the exploits here, could you could you elaborate on to that right there, this uh, unusual situation that ha- came about? Well, I have to be careful how how I say this situation that uh, the beast alludes to here because, yes, I did do a little bit of hitchhiking on my journey across the uh, U.S. And at one point, uh, I was uh, picked up by this buxom, buxom woman. And uh, she said, uh, let me take you to my domicile and I'm looking in I mean she's got these uh, these cut off jeans uh, she's got these shapely legs she's got this tan that's just glowing she, you, you just see the cleavage from her from her buxom 
from her buxom bosom. You were falling underneath the spell, is what it sounds like. You were falling underneath the spell of her ambiance. Yes, I was. I was. And, and as she rode down the road with me, yeah, she took me to her domicile. Uh, things got a little bit dicey, shall we say. We arrived at her domicile, and Dan, I, I, Dan knows the story. And, and should I go any further? It is pretty. Um, this might be a little bit too much for the the listening audience. We don't want anyone to have any kind of a cardiac arrest or or gulp so much that they you know, swallow their tongue uh, or any other objects. But uh, that might be enough right there. Just rest assured that once again, the king, well, I should say, I'm not sure how to say that he rose to the occasion. He, he slayed another dragon. Um, there's a lot of knightly type of things that, that uh, the king accomplished. And there is and there is another part to this story, and I, I might as well say it, but I'll say it in, a, uh, in the most PC way I can. She she wanted to be pleasured in every way a woman could be pleasured. And uh, at one point, she uh, removed her eye. No. Yes. yes. Wait, wait, wait. She had a... Glass high, an she artificial did. glass. No, she did. She she did. She you had. Didn't it. notice that earlier, or it just was just so well done, or she was wearing sunglasses, and I and I oh. did not. And, and I mean, my eyes were all over this uh, this body that she had. She was quite buxom. So uh, when she removed her eye, you could kind of use your imagination. What she wanted me to do, I in beast. Uh, no, say it isn't so. Yes. As, as deep as your imagination could possibly Whoa. go. Uh, that was a very, very unique experience, uh, to say the least, to say the least. And she uh, she got me back out on the road. She dropped me back off uh, on the trail. And uh, as she was saying goodbye, she said, I will keep an eye out for you, King. Wow. So, I, I mean, that was, that's one of those stories. And, I, you know, I told the beast and I hadn't told too many people about that because it was a wild, wild experience. Indeed. Indeed. And, and on that, that note... That leads me to at the time that you were a den mother for that, that group of uh, brownies. Yes. Yeah, that was, that, was, that was a unique experience as well. Uh, brownies are quite delicious. Uh, well, I, that's about saying that. But uh, anyway... Uh, Dan the Beast Stepper, he always brings out the craziest, the craziest things in the king, man. I'll tell you. And on that note, and on that note, Miss E is waiting for us over here across the pond, Beast. Well, we should at least be gracious enough to um, say our our hellos, to pay our respects, absolutely. Dan the Beast. Severn, ladies and gentlemen, and, and I'm going to tell you, you guys, uh, I have also had the pleasure on a couple of occasions of hosting Feasts with the Beast. And if you enjoy what you heard here tonight, a little comedy, things on the lighter side, we could certainly provide uh, a stand-up comedy bar show for your establishment. 
most people don't really figure the the beast actually has a sense of humor because I take care of business by, you know, crushing people inside the cage or throwing them around inside the professional wrestling ring. But there really is a much more comical side. As I like to say, it's the beauty of the beast. The beauty of the beast, indeed. Well, thank you all for listening to King's Court. And before we go, I want to remind everybody, I want Brian Snow to tune up Van Halen. I dedicate this song to Anna Gracie. Why can't this be love? And, Dan, before we go, before we go, one other thing. There's a joke that's been going around. This joke's been going around. I don't know if you heard it, but I'm going to ask you. What is 225 pounds dashingly handsome and disappears in an instant? You've been listening to the King's Court exclusively on Arena Sportsnet, presented by American Grappler. Join us next Saturday night at 11 p.m. Eastern.